Okay, so today I'm going to approach a topic for some, uh, for which some may say I am thoroughly unequipped to speak about. Uh, and this time I don't have uh, Pastor Craig or Eric to blame for assigning this topic. This is solely me choosing this topic, uh, as I knew that I would have to approach this in one Peter, and it would probably be me who would be talking about it. I will be talking about the roles of husbands and more about wives, dwelling more on the wives. There are six verses given over to uh, advice for wives uh, ju and just one that is given over to husbands. I think, however, you have to, well, we have to trust that God has placed me here to speak uh, on this matter simply because my uh, well, perhaps because my view is not coloured by human sinful realities of being a husband or having a wife. That would be the same thing. Um, and uh, But rather expounding what the Bible has to say about this, uh, to preach the word of God, uh, who, the, the God who created us and created men and women and created the Institute of Marriage. I would uh, charge that we all humble ourselves, especially me, as we approach uh, listening to what the Bible has to uh, say to us, and, but also listen with wisdom and discernment to check that what I'm saying is what the Bible is saying, and, uh, but, and please do not be afraid to come and speak to me afterwards if you think I've got something wrong or you're not sure about something. Uh, so uh, do do that. Um, and we'll go into why there's this disparity of, of the advice to husbands and wives in a little bit. OK, so let's read this passage before um, diving in. So let's share this. Husband, wives and husbands. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they will may be won by a, without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable, imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay pay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. On the contrary, bless, uh, for, uh, bless for, uh, for to this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. 
For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from seeking, uh, speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And as we look into this passage, let me pray. Father, we uh, pray that uh, you can speak through me, through your word, through to this modern society. You are the creator, God, and help us to recognize that, that you long for good for all of us, that we live our lives in a way that you have created us to live. Help us to recognize that you know us and you know our very beings. Lord, help us to humble ourselves as we approach this word and listen to your teachings. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see... uh, Certainly in the second half of this uh, passage, a continuation of this theme of where we fit in the church and where we find our identity in Christ, not in the society around us, but in Christ. And here we've seen this progression from advice of how to react to authorities and then how to react to our workplace, our bosses, our masters, if we are slaves And wives, this is not you as uh, slaves to your husbands, but wives and husbands to your uh, other half spouses. So. um, Now, the world will look at the Bible and has often accused the Bible and Christians of being sexist. In fact, increasingly today, they are not just considering uh, uh, Christian sexist, because that is no longer a valued argument in some circles, we're actually denying not only the wisdom, but also uh, of generations, but also scientific studies of generations. People are now uh, denying the differences between sexes, or rather trying to place those differences as societal impositions. The Bible is very clear that men and women are created differently and you know, speaks to these roles as different within kind of within the family, within the church, etc. Now, let me be also clear that uh, whilst we are to stick to biblical and scientific truths, we should also be uh, we should also love and be gentle to those who are struggling with uh, their sexual identity or their gender identity, and that is certainly no excuse uh, to persecute those. Who, who do struggle with that, as we love everyone. And this is, should be the mark of the Christian. As we see in 1 Peter, we should be loving. But why is there so much devoted here to wives and less so to the husband? Well, simply, it's because the role of a wife is so much harder than the role of a husband. And even more so when the husband is an unbeliever. Yes, men have it easier. Men have it. I'm not going to say men have it easy. 
I don't know as a, I'm not a husband, but men have it easier than women. I can hear my old colleague who in, it's in my ear who used to always say that the Bible is contextual. And yes, in this context, in the context that Peter is speaking into, the families were, uh, were supposed to be led by the husband. But that's still true today, isn't it? We still, we still do ask that the husband lead. We should say that, that you know, often, you know, often women do lead their families. And that is, uh, that is a truth. Uh, but the husband, and certainly the Bible speaks to this truth time and again, that the husband should lead. So husbands who have unbelieving wives should be leading them to God. And we see instances where whole families, uh, sorry, let's move this. We see instances in the Bible where whole families are baptized. For example, with Paul's jailer, when he was freed, when he was converted, his whole family was baptized and led to Christ. So in some senses, it was easier then and hopefully easier now for the husbands to lead their families to Christ. I know there are exceptions, uh, and to those who believe that uh, Paul was sexist, they should realize that if you read through Acts as we are at the moment, some of the first people who were converted in different places were prominent Greek women, people like Lydia, who led her household and then led her household to Christ. Greek women were and are still pretty fearsome. And we see that through the Bible causing issues. And so if you believe that Paul is sexist, then you, you have to contend with that issue that some of the first people who were converted wherever he went were Greek women. But let's get back to this passage. What does this passage say? Wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word. They are one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Isn't that strange? That should strike a strange chord with you. Because in the past, I have often talked about, preached about, proclaimed uh, that we should be proclaiming the good, good news. And if we, we do not, uh, if we live as Christians without proclaiming the you, uh, good news we can very easily blend into society as just being very nice people and i do stand by that this situation however is very different a husband and wife are living together i know that some wives i'm sure will say that their husbands won't notice anything unless you hit them over the head with it but if you live a godly life that is completely countercultural as the Christian life is, completely different from the rest of culture and society, even the dullest of husbands will notice, hopefully. And if it's not exterior uh, and it's not by exterior beauty, you will convince them it's by your interior beauty. I try so often 
dealing with young girls, uh, my students, because I often have these conversations. It's not just teaching maths. I will converse a lot of the time, and especially in a boarding school, uh, you get these opportunities to talk to young girls that being on the, the being pretty on the outside, dressing nicely, revealing wearing revealing outfits, wearing jewelry, may attract boys in the short term. But if you talk to boys, certainly the, the more serious, less shallow ones, yes, there are the ones who are shallow, who are solely looking for the physical, but generally those those boys have not had long-term relationships. Most boys would say that they would much rather have a girl who is fun to be with, someone who they can talk to, someone who is natural and confident in themselves. You see, it is the inner beauty that shines through and not the outer beauty. Please note also, women, that the Bible is not condemning looking nice here. Don't be afraid to dress nicely, look nice. It's not condemning that. It's not giving license to wives for slovenliness. And that goes for husbands too. Just because you're married does not mean that it's now a license to be you know, uh, slovenly. Someone said uh, that uh, they now, you know, on the internet I read, someone now said, I have to put on makeup for the first time because I, I, I now because of the pandemic is over. Uh, and, you know, and someone else chimed in saying I have to wear pants for the first time. Trousers. That's Amer Americans. I don't think that being married is an excuse for slovenliness, although our wives and husbands will see us probably in our most natural forms, which is not always the most attractive thing. Uh, but it is saying that is by far not the most important thing compared to their godliness. Verse two, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But it let your adorning be your be the hidden person of the heart and the imperishable, be uh, imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Do we have a gentle and quiet spirit? Notice also that the Bible does not encourage the wife of, uh, wives of unbelievers to leave their husbands. That is not biblical. Even though that, uh, that uh, even though what might happen uh, to you, sorry, what might happen might well be frightening. It says this right at the bottom. The great example of this is Sarah, Abraham's wife. She went through the ringer, didn't she? She went through so much. If you read through Genesis from uh, Genesis 12, we see how much Sarah went through. But we do not see complaining. In Genesis 12, Abraham, or Abraham as it was, 
uprooted their family and left their family and their home to move to Canaan because God asked it of Abraham. Abraham told her that she was to pretend to be his sister and was taken into Pharaoh's palace because she was so beautiful. Abraham let Lot take the more fertile land. And so Abraham and Sarah took the land that was harder to work or harder to, to feed their sheep. And Sarah was unable to bear a child until she was over 90 years old. Instead, seeing Abraham, in fact, encouraging Abraham to have a child with her servant, Hagar, who then treated her ill and despised her. She did not live, uh, live uh, an easy life. And Abraham, as much as he was a godly man, was far from the perfect husband. Sarah submitted to him and obeyed him because she trusted God. Now, there is a lesson for all of us here, isn't there? Not just women, not just wives, not just women. I have all, all, often talked about the hardest being people to witness to being our families. They are the, the ones who will hopefully and eventually notice if we have a change in our lifestyles. I would encourage us to share the gospel, share our faith with unbelievers in our families, and I know that is difficult, and also in our workplaces and the people who know us best, the people who live with us, they are the people who know us. They are the people who see us day to day, day in, day out. And they will notice when we change our lifestyle. They will notice when we live countercultural Christian lives. How much more powerful is our witness, is our testimony to the Christian message if we live lives that are worthy of God? Now, what Peter says to husbands is not as strong as what Paul says to husbands in Ephesians 5. That is, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That is, sacrifice your life to ensure her salvation. And surely any woman would want to have a husband who does that, who puts their needs and their salvation first. And I'm not talking about their needs as in kind of, I need a back rub now. Well, that may be something that you do. Needs as in needs for salvation. Their Christian life. A husband who puts their wife and their, you know, their Christian life first. And obviously that includes not aggravating them. But we see that also here, don't we? Verse 7. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor it to the woman as the weaker vessel, vessel that is physically weaker, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. It is your duty to honor your wives, to protect them, and they are your partners into God's promises of salvation and eternity. You are one flesh. 
and you must not neglect that. Finally, speaking to all of us, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay pay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for though for, to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. Again, that is so countercultural, isn't it? When we are being persecuted, bless those who are persecuting you. Why? Because that is what Jesus did on the cross. They do not know what they are doing, he said. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his hung, uh, tongue from evil and his lips from deceit. If you love life, then be good. If you want to see good days, then do not speak evil. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now you might think, well, this is a little bit you know, contradictory to what the Bible says about when we live as Christians, we will suffer. Physically, yes, we may well suffer. Being under persecution, we may well suffer. But we will gain so many more joys. We will have a good life. Peace that transcends all understanding. That is what God promises us. This is a reiteration of what we have seen in previous chapters. We must live in unity as a church. Because God is watching. His ears are open to the prayers of the righteous. But for those who do evil, God will set his face against them. So as we're learning in the book of Acts, as the early Christians show, let us live such good lives that people cannot help but praise God. And returning to chapter 2, verse 12, keep your conduct among the gentles honourable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Wives, submit to your husbands. That word seems to uh, bring up all sorts of terrible connotations in this day and age. That's the idea of submission. Being submissive. Certainly, we see it, we've seen it in the pandemic, this idea of submitting to lockdown, submitting to wearing masks. Western mentality is completely opposed to that. If you watch any series or movies, we see that kind of rebellious nature. I saw a recent documentary about, about this, and this is something that I've talked about. Any you know, law enforcement show, you see them at some time handing in their badge and going off to do their own thing. We see that in science fiction, we, you know, yeah, things like Star Trek, where if 
humans are put into slavery. They would rather die or rebel or do something else than be submitted to slavery. But this is not what the Bible teaches. It's not what Jesus did. He submitted to the authority of God, even to death, the most painful death in history. We must submit to the authority of Christ. We must submit to the authority of the Bible. Despite everything that society is telling us. Wives, submit to your husbands, even if they are unbelievers, so that your good conduct, your good deed can hopefully lead to their conversion. Obviously, we have a greater duty to God. And when that contradicts uh, that duty to our husbands, then God obviously rules. And that's the same with authorities. We've seen that the same with masters who are unfair and unjust masters. So I'm going to pray and ask that we can humble ourselves to commit, to submit. Father, this is a difficult teaching. Lord, we pray that we can humble our hearts. We can learn to submit as you submitted to the cross. That our gentle, godly con conduct can shine as a great witness to you, but also to our families, to our partners, to those we live with, to our workplace, to our colleagues. They can notice something different about us and that they can give glory to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.